Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And welcome to the FIF podcast. I am your whoa, host, Nicholas. Whoa. whoa. What are you doing? Uh, Connor, I'm trying to host a podcast here. Can you... Uh... Nick, just step aside. I'm back. Okay, you can stick on for the next hour, but you are not hosting it after the last couple of weeks. Appreciate your help, but um, yeah, I'm back now, so you can take a back seat. Thank you very much. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. I am your regular host, Connor Clancy. I am back. You will be delighted you don't have to listen to Nicholas Carroll for an hour straight. We'll try and keep him as quiet as possible after we get through the Derby stuff, I promise you. Um, yeah, so you already know Nicholas Carroll is joining me. Nick, welcome along. Well, I'm not sure about the welcome, but it's good to always be talking uh, Italian football, so... Get yeah, and I think this is a, a hat-trick for our next three in a row. Katarina Mira, you must be happy after the weekend's results. Yeah, really, really, really happy <laughs> about all the results and happy to be there with you again. The first time with you. <laughs> so not having Nick. It's good to have you along, but um, I think I'm the only one on the podcast that's not too happy with the weekend's results this week. But um, and. Someone who's benefiting from my suffering is Vito Doria. Vito, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Connor. I mean, uh, obviously, I send my commiserations, but I'm obviously delighted with the outcome of this week's results. And the round in general was a very exciting one. So I'm looking forward to talking about it with all you guys. Yeah, well said. And to be fair, based on that second half performance, Samp were a good value for the win, despite what happened in the first half. So I guess there's only one place to start, really, and that is with the big one. Um, Sampdoria beat Atalanta 3-1. Oh, well, just <laughs> <laughs> a joke. Obviously, that's a joke. I have to get my first one in early, guys. Come on, it's, it's been nearly a month since I've been here. Um, 
yeah, the Derby de la Madonina, isn't it? Uh, Inter won 3-2. What a game. Guys, the Derby is nearly back, isn't it? But that was brilliant. That was really stunning. Nick, the, you're the only person that we can go to first here, really. Mauro Icardi did what Mauro Icardi does. I think he had four shots in the whole game, three goals, and he was decisive. Sing his praises. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, if you watch those goals, there's not really much more you can say. Uh, words kind of do it, uh, don't do it justice. Um, a pure striker's finish for the first goal. The second one just unbelievable. Complete just miss Complete miss Very close to <laughs> orgasmic, I have to say. But just um, yeah, I. You, there's not many strikers in the world that can do what he did yesterday. And then obviously a penalty for the last one. But yeah, you kind of alluded to it there with the, how many shots he had. But uh, when you compare him to even the top, any of the top strikers in Europe, he has generally less shots uh, per game than all of them. Um, Falcao, Messi, Dybala, uh, Obama Young, whoever it is, he has less shots, but yet he scored nine goals already for the season. Um, in terms of out-and-out finishes, you have to say he's, he's up there with the best top three, I would have to say, maybe a bit biased. But, um, yeah, uh, do you want me to talk about Akadi or just uh, talk about the match? No, stick, stick with Akadi for now. We'll move on to other things okay. in a couple of minutes. But he is... I know I, I kind of wind you up about Icardi since for as long as I've known you really, but all joking aside, I, I put this out on Twitter. He is one of Europe's elite center forwards now, isn't he? It's not hyperbole to say that he is one of the best number nines in the world. Yeah, hundred percent. And you have to think that uh, the only reason he probably isn't mentioned in the same light as some of the biggest stars in the Premier League or La Liga is purely the fact that Inter isn't, representing uh, on a weekly basis, um, not only in Europe, but in the Champions League, obviously. Um, and then he, he hasn't been playing international football either, so he's, which is another whole thing. He, a striker of his ability and his form struggles so hard to get any minutes for Argentina. So, uh, yeah, you have to think if he was playing Europe and international football on a common basis, he, he would be mentioned up in those same lights. So you would hope... Well, Inter fans might hope, and Argentina as well, that uh, in the next season or two, he'll actually be acknowledged for for the talent that he is because he's incredible. It's good to see Jax is still involved in the comments. He's come in with his top three strikers in Europe, Lewandowski one, Suarez two, and Icardi three. I probably agree with that generally, but this season, probably swap Icardi for Suarez because he's not been doing too well for Barcelona. Kath, I'll bring you in. Do you think that... It's it's fair to say Icardi has a bit of a divisive personality. He's a bit of a dick. Do you think that plays a part in people not rating him as highly as he perhaps should be rated for his football ability? Yeah, maybe at the start when when he started with with Inter, maybe the the first period was this film Italians or, or for the girls, Italian girls uh, of the of the episode that happened. But yeah, now I don't think of that. Mm, I'm thinking about maybe the Argentina that coach that uh, I remember said that 
his attitude was not right for for the national team and so he kept it uh, away but I mean now it's not important he's one of the best in Serie A and he showed it yesterday so yeah I would agree with that I watched both of their international games last week and they drew nil-nil with Peru in a game that they it looked like they needed to win turns out they didn't because they made it anyway but I was just calling out for Icardi to come on. Yeah. Um, he, he's the type of player that it doesn't matter if you're not creating too many chances because as we saw on Saturday night or Sunday night, whenever it was, he only needs one and he will put it away. But Vito, you've been sitting quietly there for a while. I think we'll, we'll move on from Icardi and myself and Nick were messaging back and forth during the game. And one thing we said was Borja Valero was... He quietly bossed that game. Um, I think he has that cool head that is really needed in a game like that. Vito, I don't know. I'd be interested to get other people's opinions because I didn't see anyone else talking about Valero, really. What did you make of his performance? I wouldn't say it was vintage Valero in my view, but I still thought he had a good game and that his touches on the ball were still superb. He's got that grace on the ball as well as that creativity that I still believe that uh, Inter is still missing. So the more that he can get involved in the game, the more that uh, Inter can create chances. Otherwise, they have to be more reliant on wing play. Yeah, well, Nick, I'll throw that over to you then because you were impressed with Borjad the other night and his impact this season really has been felt quite strongly. There were... I can't remember who it was against, but I watched them once and I, I thought he looked a shadow of himself. But thankfully, that seems to be just one performance. How important is he to this Inter team as a whole? Yeah, he's certainly got a, a job to play for Luciano Spalletti. He's been a, a key factor in that kind of midfield trio that they've got there, kind of substituting in between Rossino, uh, Roberto Gagliardini, and then you've got Gian Mario, of course. Uh, who was uh, a late uh, withdrawal from the match. So that did put pressure on the three uh, midfielders and I thought he was the standout. Um, I think Vito had a key point there that Inter historically and even now um, are very reliant on the wingers getting those crosses into Akadi and Borja Valero, just his presence in that central uh, third, let's say, uh, it's so important for not only giving the wide men more space, but he uh, he when he takes on the line, he he really looks like he can create something. So um, yesterday, I thought he you know it wasn't a perfect game by any means, but I think he was uh, one of Inter's best. Um, Vecino and Gagliardini, I wasn't overly impressed with. I thought they um, went missing on occasions, but um, yeah, uh, you know there was some. Uh, hesitancy about his uh, Borja Valero's transfer given his age but I think his experience is invaluable to this team for the next couple of seasons yeah you made a good point there and I don't think it's just from the wings that they're reliant on getting the ball into Icardi it's from anywhere and one thing he can do really well is pick a pass so he doesn't even need to be drifting out wide to play those balls into Icardi Katarina, I'll bring you back uh, Luciano Spalletti is doing quite a good job at the San Siro so far this year it's his impact is really being felt probably earlier than a lot of us might have expected, but they can seriously 
well, at the moment, they're second, I think, two points behind Napoli. Can they challenge for the Scudetto this season? Well, for the Scudetto, I don't know at the moment. <laughs> We're making Nick nervous, I think. Uh, yeah. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Go get a drink and let us have that. (laughs) For a Champions League spot, for sure, yeah. Uh, They are probably not, I don't know, not really beautiful to watch. Or I believe Spalletti is not focusing on the good football, more on the good result. He's going always to the point to make the result, as we we have seen last year in, in Rome as well. They were playing was not astonishing, was not brilliant, but they finished at second place. So now with all the uh, the new players, he's trying probably to to work more on the weak points like in the defense and, and the consistency. But they made a really good job yesterday, so they slightly deserve to to win the derby. Yeah, completely and, agree with that. I am. I actually wrote early on in the season that, but not at that early, maybe about a month ago now, that Inter can compete next year. This year, they might be able to, but they shouldn't even be thinking about it. They should be concentrating on getting into that Champions League. Even if they're second in, I don't know, February, be happy with being in a position to get the Champions League and maybe start thinking about the Scudetto by the end of March. Nick, you don't want us talking about Inter and Scudetto, but what do you think? Because they, they don't need to be playing pretty football to win the Scudetto. As we've seen with Juventus, they've not always played brilliant stuff. They just win. Yeah, that's true. But uh, actually, the, there's just been a commenter on YouTube and he kind of um, almost answers the question for it. Um, while yeah, into going into last night... Nagatomo, which... Yeah, um, you know, we're still playing with Nagatomo on the left. And as Cameron rightly points out, we're Inter's basically one injury away from playing Andrea Ranocchia as a centre-back. Uh, while it's great, the run that they're going on and the improvement is massive, the defence is just uh, a, not a title-winning defence. And, you know, you can't rely on that kind of defence, in my opinion, to get them through 38 rounds. It's... One thing that uh, falls into Inter's favour is obviously not playing European football, so that enables them to possibly get by a bit longer. But I think, you know, down the track, it'll catch up to them. And I think the the better defences, Juventus and uh, Napoli, uh, you know, Napoli, particularly uh, Elviol and Koulibaly have been in incredible form. I think they're going to um, rise to the – well, they're already at the top, but um, – pull away at in the at the top so you know it, it's nice to say but as you mentioned Connor, Inter needs to focus on getting the Champions League spot and they shouldn't be looking at anything uh, above that yeah as, as impressive as Skriniar surprisingly has been this season it is kind of amusing that they are only an injury away from playing the Premier League superstar Andrea Ranocchia but Vito you're coming back because we've spoken about VAR a bit this season. Um, I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet here, right? Because that the penalty decision yesterday is one thing. I, I'm not necessarily going to say that it wasn't a penalty. There was contact, debatable. But if VAR exists, 
you have to consult it for a decision like that. You've given a penalty in possibly the biggest game of the season so far in the last minute of the game. Nick, I know you're itching to get in. I will come to you. But surely, given what we've seen VAR being consulted for before, like nonsense decisions that are as clear as day, for it to not be given or not to be consulted for a decision like this, surely it doesn't make any sense. Vito, thoughts? I reckon if they did go to the VAR technology, it would have uh, given greater validation for the penalty. I'm personally a big advocate for it, and I think that it really serves its purpose because it brings greater accountability to refereeing decisions. And in this case, I believe, uh, um, I think it would have done well to bring greater assurance. As for the specific incident, um, I felt that Rodriguez should not have had his hands on uh, Danilo D'Ambrosio. And D'Ambrosio, I wouldn't say he was uh, being dirty or he was exaggerating, but just the way he turned his body or contorted his body, I think it made it easier for the referee to give the penalty on the first look. Nick? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, these kind of questions, I have to say, it does really bother me. It annoys me because with VAR, every week, you know, and like Vito, I am a you know I make no secret of being a supporter of the system. But every week, 
nonstop if there's always incidents where they're saying, well, why are they using it there? Why are they using it there? It's taking too much time. It's taking too much time from the game. There's too many instances where it's used. Referees need to back themselves. And then on the other hand, now we get a referee that makes a call that backs himself with a decision. And then we get the other side of it saying, well, why he's got VAR there. Why doesn't he use it? Like it's either way, people are going to complain and it just really pisses no, 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 me no, no. off. No, I, I see that. And generally, I am in favour of it as well because it will eliminate wrong decisions. So then what I'm trying to get across is this is the biggest decision that has been made in Serie A all season. If you are so confident as the referee that you got it right, go to VAR and prove everyone wrong because there, there was controversy at the time. It was probably a penalty, but there was controversy. So just prove it to people. Go, here you go. Here's the video. 30 seconds, there's the foul. But you're, you're saying a referee that got the call right should have got backed up by it. Like, that doesn't make no, sense. I'm not disputing the, the decision. I'm disputing the use of VAR, its inconsistencies, and its inconsistencies in its implementation are why people are pissed off by it. Yeah, but that's the thing. And this the, the inconsistency comes, if anything, and I agree with you, but it's from... The, inconsisten- the inconsistencies come from referees not backing themselves and going to uh, VAR too much. And this is the thing that I'm saying. Just because it, I don't care what situation it's in, a referee needs to, to call something as he sees it, whether it's a Milan derby, whether it's Verona against Benevento. It doesn't matter for me. They should apply the same rules. It, it shouldn't be subjective as to what circumstances you use it. It should be if they're confident on a call, that's it. If they're not confident and they want to go to VAR, that's when they go to it, and that should be it. So I, I don't get the controversy. I don't get the talk, and, yeah, I'm not a fan. Okay. I'm a fan of VAR. Right. We need to move on, not to the next game, because there is an elephant in the room, and it is Vincenzo Montella. Cats, Nick, I know you did a video on this already, which you might get some thoughts on, but first, Cats, should he be sacked or is it way, way too early in the season? That's a good question. Uh, the thing is that um, his choices yesterday, especially after the off time, were right. And so um, he made the, the desired effect to the team. It was a good choice to, to put Cassie off. And, and also to, to put Kutron uh, in. It changed the game. And but on the on the other hand, if the third consecutively uh, consecutive loss on and four game loss in eight games is is not a good result, I believe uh, that maybe he's still finding the right man to put in. Sometimes I feel that he's so insecure to to make the 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 right choices that probably. He's leading this to to the team, and the the team could feel it. So, I, I believe that yesterday Milan played a little bit, played well, especially on the on the second half. Uh, but if they're not going gonna win against Genoa, maybe something could happen because they always have missed the big games. And we have seen with the Napoli and also against Lazio, for example, but with the little or in, in Europe in Europa League, they're doing great. 
So they need to find the consistency and Montella is working on that playing. They're still playing good, but they're missing too much big games and too much points. So, yeah, there's obviously been some problems, but Nick, I'll bring you in because he did the video. Um, he's been given, what, 11 new players this year. He's got the second or third youngest squad in all of Europe's top five leagues or something like that. Um, it, it, he's got a whole new squad. What was it? Ten of these players that started the game recently were at different clubs last season. Yeah, against Rome. Against Rome. Yeah. Um, th- there are problems, but one of the things we've called for with Inter in recent seasons has been just stick with one coach and give him the chance. And Montella did a good job with Milan last year. So personally, I think it'd be madness to let him go this early. Um, what do you think? Yeah, 100%. Uh, as I said in the video, if you haven't watched it, head over to the YouTube channel, give it a watch. It's good stuff. Um, it's it's madness because Inter have provided the, the perfect illustration of what happens when instability becomes the norm. And it's just, it's frustrating to see. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying Montel is perfect and I certainly don't agree with a lot of his decisions. You know, uh, we were speaking uh, yesterday, Connor, about Fabio Borini, about how he's playing in the derby. Like, I, I can't answer that question. But the thing is, he, he got them to Europe last season with a, a squad that probably didn't deserve to be there. That from there, from the squad he had to the squad he has now, it's not just new players, but he's had to completely change the way this team is playing. They've gone from uh, basically a counter-attacking team with with not really much possession to a team that's trying to dominate games. It's a completely different game, and it's going to take time. Added more so when you add in all the new players. So, yes, there are problems. Yes, he hasn't made all the right decisions, but I think. There's getting there. There's potential, and as Kat uh, mentioned, you know he he showed he's got that adaptability uh, yesterday in the Milan derby at halftime. He made some good choices, and uh, it made a huge difference. And it almost grabbed them a result. So, um, you know, I, I don't think Milan can be um, too annoyed or angry at last uh, yesterday's result, given uh, both teams' forms. So. They've got to stick with it, I think, at least till January, at least till mm. January. I think it's worth probably saying as well that he never really planned on playing this system, did he? Because he he always went four at the back last season, and then all of a sudden, it's like they didn't really plan on signing Benucci, but then found out he was available. And when he's available and he doesn't want to leave Italy, you have to sign him if you're one of those top clubs. And when you sign Benucci, you've kind of got to play a back three because that's what he does. So... Yeah, I think give Montella time, give him till Christmas and then reevaluate the situation. Personally, I think he should just be given this season. It's Inter's for, it's Milan's first year as they are. I know the Chinese owners might get frustrated, but he needs the time to develop because where do they go otherwise? They could get Conte in the summer or something, I guess, if he leaves Chelsea. But we've spent too long in the derby. I'm sick of it now. So move on to... All of our, I think it's fair to say, every single one of us, except for Kat, this is our favorite, second favorite club in Serie A this season, and that is Napoli. They are still top of the league. They beat Roma 1-0, which is a very un-Napoli score to win by. Vito, it's unusual for them to win a low-scoring game, so is this signs that they are capable of doing things that 
previously we thought they weren't capable of doing? It showed that in a way that they could grind out a win, but it was different to say how Inter grinds out victories or how Juventus grinds out victories. Napoli still played the possession game, but in this case, there wasn't a great need for them to score four or five goals, especially in the first half. I noticed that Napoli were just very happy to pass the ball around and Roma just had too much trouble taking the ball off them. Even after half time, when Roma created more chances or had more possession of the ball, it looked like Napoli was still better when they did not have possession anyway. So it showed that both offensively and defensively, they were able to control the proceedings anyway. Yeah, I agree. Nick, um, Diawara came off the bench. I think Zielinski and Marco Rog were the other two subs. Correct me if I'm wrong. But this shows that they have depth there this season. And it's kind of something that we've not really seen before with Napoli. What do you think? Is this extra depth going to serve them well going forward, especially if they progress in the Champions League, which is something we will discuss a little bit in a minute? Yeah, 100%. Uh, that's, that's the key thing, the Champions League. Between them and Juventus, you can see that playing a big role as to who goes further and how that reflects on the Serie A. So those type of players, uh, Diavara, and these are players, Diavara was actually keeping Jorginho out of the the team for quite a bit of uh, last season. So, and, you know, he was one of my standouts when they played Real Madrid. So these are quality players uh, that are coming on in, in replacement. I think basically all three of them have very big futures. I've um, got big wraps on all three of those midfielders. So, um, and it's kind of almost good timing too with um, in terms of Marek Hamsik where, you know, he possibly doesn't have the legs to go 100% for the 90 minutes. So it gives him a good break as well, allows him to do a solid 65 to 70 minutes and then get the young players on and get them some experience as well. But it's not only just filling in, you know, time. They're actually contributing. We've seen that time and time again, from particularly from uh, Peter Zielinski. So, yeah, it's it's certainly the difference between Napoli two seasons ago when they were somewhat in a race with Juventus and Napoli now when a lot of people like yourself and I, uh, you know, have tipped them to actually win the title. I think the celebrations after that game said a lot. It shows that they believe that they can actually win it this year we heard about the Scudetto Pact in the summer. Kath, they have a big game in the Champions League against Manchester City this week, which on paper has the potential to be the best game across Europe so far this season. But there's a lot of talk that they might rest a few players. What are your thoughts here? Are you, would you be in favour of them resting players? They've got, I think it's Inter next weekend in Serie A. So should they just seriously prioritise Serie A this year? Yeah, probably... Um, at the moment, the aim is the Scudetto, and we can <laughs> cannot hide that. And Sarri today said that this will be uh, the useless match of the of the of the season of the Champions League as well, because the Manchester City now is uh, is one of the best in Europe. When and we cannot hide that, and the champions. I think always have bring a lot of enthusiasm between the supporters in Naples. So 
I believe that it's important to keep that for for the enthusiasm, and I believe they are gonna f- fight for for past the 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 next round. But uh, yes, uh, we are prioritizing the the Scudetto challenge, and tomorrow will be a good test. He probably yeah will the lineup. I don't know because Ansi is gonna is gonna play. Probably we'll start with Diavara, but Jorginho and Alan now are essential and are on fire. So if he wants to win, they will put all the all the eleven. Yeah, I'm actually just seeing now Sky Sport Italia are reporting that their starting eleven is going to be Reina, Husai, Kirikesh, Kulabali, Gulam, Diavara, Rog, Hamsik, Kalihan, Mertens, and Insignia. And that's there are a few changes there, but it's pretty strong. I mean, you've got Hamshik and that front three. So it looks like they're going to go for it. Yeah. Obviously, with Inter on Saturday, we need to, to win both yeah. and it will be will be tough. So, yeah, he will make a lot, a little bit of changes. It's it's normal. And probably he will going to fight maybe Napoli. It will be more simple in two weeks against Manchester City. So, I don't know. Tomorrow will be really, really, really tough. Yeah, let's, it's so kind scared. of unfortunate. That it, don't be scared. Come on, now we are good. It's unfortunate that it's fallen between games against Roma and Inter because, like you said, if it was if it was in between games against Benevento and Hellas Verona, well, then you could probably rest all of your players, including your second team against Benevento and Verona and still get six from six. Vito, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. What what do you think they should do? Because personally, I can't make up my mind what I think. I, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, just drop everyone. But then you don't want to get embarrassed in the Champions League, which could seriously happen against this Man City team, as Kat alluded to. So what do you think Sarri should do here? If he's going to rest certain plays, he's got to be shrewd with the choices. It is important that Napoli still has a strong enough team because if Manchester City thrashes Napoli, the English press are going to have a field day and they're going to rant on and spill all this rubbish, all these Italophobic comments. So Saudi's got a duty not just for Napoli, but also for Italian football. He's got to show that Italian football is back on the rise and a team like Napoli is a reason for this belief. So I hope it's a competitive game and with his choices, they just got to be the right ones. For instance, if it was up to me, I would still keep Allen and Jorginho, but I'd rest Hamsik because he's 30 and I'm pretty happy with uh, Zielinski in midfield too. So he can chip in with some spectacular goals. So he would be one player. Uh, Kirikas... Well, on the basis of seeing Abio last year against Real Madrid, he made some bad errors there. And I think Kirikas, he adds a bit more going forward, in, especially in terms of playing the ball out from defence. And he can score from set pieces, Kirikas. So um, at least if Napoli gets a few corners, Kirikas is the type of guy that can go up and get a goal from a header or even a volley. So yeah, it's really just about seeing which plays fit in the best so they're as competitive as possible and they can still maintain that style of play and keep that system working. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you on not dropping but resting Hamshik as well because 
he can't play 90 minutes. Nick mentioned it, but if you want to make money on the weekend, I'm not going to promote betting or anything, but put money on Hampshire being taken off between the 65th and the 75th minute because every single week it happens without fail. So there you go. If, if you do win some money, send half of it my way. I think that's that's fair. Um, one stat actually that I saw at the weekend, Nick, you'll like this. It was Maurizio Sarri's 84th Serie A game in charge of Napoli and it, Insigne's goal was the 200th they have scored. So what's that? 2.5 goals per game or something, which is just insane. I think it, it, goals are a guarantee on Tuesday or Wednesday night whenever it happens. Right, We've spent ages on that game too, which we always get carried away talking about Napoli. We're not even going to mention Roma. We'll get to them next week. But there was another big game, guys, wasn't there? It was Juventus 1, Lazio 2. And talk about amazing endings in Serie A matches this weekend. I think this, for me, beats them all. Juventus went 1-0 up. Then Chiro Mobile turned it around with two goals. And Juventus got a penalty with was literally the last kick of the game. And it was saved. And I think I can't remember who it was that followed in and got the rebound. But the whistle went literally as soon as Strakosha saved and turned it to the side. And the Lazio player just kicked the ball up, picked it up and booted it into this. It was amazing. It was like they had won something. It was unbelievable. But, right, Kat, Lazio have beaten Juventus twice this season now. I know one of them was the Supercoppa and it didn't really count that much. But still, psychologically, that is huge to beat Juve twice. Um, but still, they're kind of overlooked. Vieri did something for us. And I, I just saw the tweet with like, Lazio, Scudetto. Surely that's too far. Champions League is the aim for them, right? Yeah. Scudetto is too far <laughs> to say. Yeah, it's one of my favorite this year, Lazio. Uh, because on the way of playing, it's always fun. And they only lost against Napoli in the, of the big matches. So they are consistent. And against Milan and to they beat two times Juve and Juve lost at home for the first time in two years and that's a, an historic win for for Lazio and I believe the Serie A this year is being so fun and the competitive is so great so I believe the fight for the Champions League spot will be will be amazing this year and also in Zaghi's work um he is doing great, and Immobile is now probably one of the best in Europe, maybe the the best one. I don't remember how many goals he scored. Uh, He's got eleven this season, which is two more than a Cardi. Yeah, that's for you, Nick. Right, so- Nick, you want to jump in on this then? Because we've spoken about Lazio a lot last season when they started to put this form together, and. They lost Bidia in the summer. They lost Keita Balde. They lost Kondreva recently-ish as well. But they still just keep doing it. So what's Simone Inzaghi's secret? Because nobody saw this coming. Even Lazio, they tried to get rid of him, but ended up sticking with him. Yeah, that's the million-dollar question. How has Inzaghi turned this team around? A team that two seasons ago, ago culturally was just a shambles. And... I think one thing that we probably said a few times last season, Connor, was this is a squad that plays as a team. And I had concerns 
uh, with those players that you mentioned leaving, particularly Lucas Bilia. But uh, Lucas Levia has filled in nicely. You know, he has he doesn't do anything too special, let's say. But um, you know, he just fills in and does the the basic stuff that probably goes unnoticed and allows those around him, the likes of Milinkovic, Savic, Parolo, and Luis Alberto, who is coming on in leaps and bounds this season. You know, Chiro Mobile is scoring the goals, but Alberto is certainly involved in a lot of the build-up play for uh, many of their goals and general attacking moves. So, and you know, not only that, but the defense is uh, at times um, very solid. Uh, Devry leading that uh, back three. They they probably don't get as much um, credit as they should as well. Um, so yeah. It, I guess it's just all across. They've they've kind of got a very solid outfit that's under underestimated in all areas. I mean, even Churo Mobile, uh, with the the goals he's putting out, he's not really classed in that high elite, uh, you know, class of strikers. I guess you could say. So it's almost an underrated team of underrated players, but they're a team, and that's the key, and that's why they're so consistent. If not the most consistent team in Serie A. Absolutely. Kat, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you would finish making your point. But back to Immobile, I guess, because his form is extra important beyond Lazio because Italy have a big game coming up next month if they want to make it to Russia next year and Andrea Bellotti might not be back. And if he is, he probably won't be as fit as he would like. So... Is Immobile the man to lead Italy to the World Cup, even if Bellotti is back fit? Should it kind of be built around Immobile, given his form? I hope so, yeah. And also because um, I think that with Ventura, Immobile is not showing his best performances. And I don't know why, Insigne as well. We have seen it with Italy. Both of them uh, are lacking of of occasions and and so I don't know if Ventura try to change the module and try to also work more of both of them maybe he will be essential for for Italy next year so and hope to get the the qualification Belotti as well is he's one of my favorites but if he's not still back uh, I believe that, yeah, Immobile will lead. Hope he will lead the, the national team. Yeah, I'm with you on that because given his recent form, he's definitely able to, whether it's a long-term thing or whether he's just having a good couple of years. I, I think he should be trusted next month, even if Bellotti is back fit because, I don't know, you don't want to rush Bellotti back to match fitness for such a big game. Hello, Kieran, who's just joined us in the comments. Stephen, I'm not sure if you're doing it yourself, but your comments keep disappearing before I have the chance to read them. So, I don't know, I thought that was going to be a good question as well. I started to read it, but it disappeared. Vito, you have written for us a lot in the last, what is it, 18 months since Ventura took over about his Italy. Um, what do you make of next month? Do you think Immobile should lead the line? What do you think? Immobile has to lead the line simply because he scored more than any other Italian player in qualifying more. Even out of the players from the other teams in Group G, 
he scored six or seven goals. So even if he wasn't number one, he was right up there with the most prolific goal scorers in that group. So, and so with that in mind, and also the fact that he's scoring prolifically for Lazio, I think he is the man to carry Italy's chances of getting to the World Cup next year. In saying that too, he can't do it all himself. He still needs support. And I think the main concern, more so than if Immobile should be the focal point or not, is who does Ventura pick as backup? Because I'm still convinced that Mario Balotelli has to be called in based on his form in Nice and he's not having the off-field issues that he had five, six years ago. And also, I still believe that Simone Zaza has a chance of redemption because he's got seven goals now in La Liga this season and Valencia second in La Liga. So I think he deserves a chance to get back in the national team too. So Immobile for number one, but have the right backup too because guys like Manolo, Gabbiadini and Eda at this stage just don't cut it. I'm really glad you mentioned Simone Zaza, actually. Um, I don't want to spend too long on Italy, but... He's been bloody brilliant for Valencia this season and he is so harshly just completely disregarded because of one penalty. And He's actually been a decent striker whenever he's played regularly in Serie A. For Sassuolo, popped up with big moments for Juve. Kat, I'm sorry to mention that, but he should be given a chance. And that kind of answers Cameron's question there, which basically just asked, Immobile generally plays best with a second strider, striker. Churchy with Torino last, Luis Alberto now. Um, so I guess Zaza or Balotelli could potentially do that job for Italy. Nick, your mic has gone off mute. Did you want to jump in or? No, I'm good. No, you're happy enough. Okay, that's fine. Right, that's pretty much going to do it. We've just got one more game to quickly go through. It wouldn't be fair if we didn't talk about Sampdoria 3, Atalanta 1 because, guys, I'm not just saying, it was a bloody good game. Um, Atalanta should have been about 4-0 up at halftime, missed too many chances, and in the second half, Giampaolo made a couple of changes, and it was it was amazing. Uh, Linetti came on and changed the game, really. Vito, Linetti's been one of these players that hasn't really been spoken about too much for Sam, but what has he been bringing to the table? Last season, he was starting a lot more under Giampaolo, and Dennis Pratt, the Belgian Starlet, he wasn't playing much. There was a lot of focus on Edgar Barreto playing as well. This season, uh, Prats has played more and Barreto has kept his team, but Linetti has usually been used as a sub. Unfortunately, there was the 4-0 loss to Udinese a fortnight ago, but it's proved to be a mixed blessing for both Sump and for Linetti in particular. He replaced Valerio Verre at half-time and Linetti is only about 22 years old, but he brings a lot of energy to the team. He's a hard-working player, helps out defensively. And based on the second half on the weekend, he showed that he can contribute to going forward. And that goal to seal the win for the Doriani was an excellent strike. Prats with that pass and then from the tightest of angles, there wasn't much space between uh, Berisha and the far post, but he still managed to squeeze the ball in from that angle. So it was a fabulous strike. And uh, hopefully this means Barreto is benched for good because Linetti's got a bright future as well as Prats. And Barreto, he's 33 and he's just too much of a workhorse and his touches are heavy too. So 
I think stick with the young ones. They've got the technical ability. They have age on their side too, and I reckon it will be beneficial for some in the long term. Yeah, I've mentioned it, I think, before, but I saw something in the summer. They played United here in Dublin. I was really impressed. wasn't expecting much from them at all, given the players they lost this summer. But since then, I've kind of been keeping an eye on them because I really like what Gianpaolo is doing there. Nick, do you think they can be the surprise team of the season? Someone said to me on Twitter that Sam this year are the Atalanta of last year, but they're not going to finish fourth, right? So they can compete for Europa League, though, right? Yeah, I certainly think um, it's uh, there's a Europa League place up for grabs and probably not much else. And I think actually um, Kat Vito and I discussed this a couple of weeks ago and um, I think pretty much all of us said um, Samp or um, Atalanta would be the favourites for that um, in front of the likes of Fiorentina or Torino. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to write off Atalanta just yet. I still think, um, you know, they're doing some special things and, um, you know, I'm just trying to, taught you well. I'm just trying to put a smile on your face. I Connor. taught you well, my friend. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, that, them, them two are still the, the definite picks for me. Uh, Torino just don't seem to be consistent enough and the defence has still got the same old struggles. So, And Fiorentina, you know, maybe they could uh, provide a dash and surprise us all. Um, you know, they are showing signs here and there, so maybe then you could throw them in as well. But no, Sam, Sam's, in terms of being a surprise, I think, yeah, compared to last season, Sam's just improved so much. Yeah, well, I think that'll just about do it for us. One thing I want to mention just before we leave, we're not going to talk about it, but... The Serie B table at the moment, right? They're nine games in and 10 points is the difference between first place and bottom place. It's amazing. Serie B is so good. I think it was even seven points before this weekend, but we'll get some Serie B updates as the season goes on for sure. Um, watch out for Fodja. Watch out for Fodja. It's all about um, Parma at the moment, isn't it? Let's hope Parma can... Fodja's coming from the bottom. They're going to... Yeah, they're they're nineteenth at the moment. So it's not yeah, that's no, good. It's good. It's all so close. A couple of wins, I'll be in first. They're nineteenth, but they're only five points off second. So there, there you go. The dream is alive. They're right up there. Um, guys, well, I'll there are a few good. coaches there that uh, they've got very attack-minded philosophies. So Zeman is the obvious one at Pescara, but Stroppa was a player under Zeman at Foggia in the nineties, and he's coaching Foggia now. Uh, there's a guy called Roberto Venturato who got Cittadella promoted more than a season ago. He's very attack-minded. Uh, Sandro Pocchesci, who came from Rende in Liga Pro, now he's at Ternana, he's another attack-minded coach. So there's a lot of this pragmatism that's getting phased out of Italian football. And in Serie B, there are a few of these coaches that have a more attack-minded approach or they're more cavalier than the predecessors. So... That's what I really like about Serie B. And, of course, you've got teams like Parma, Venezia, Cremonese, who have been in the Serie A in the past, and they were there during the glory days of the 90s. So I think that adds some extra appeal too. So for a second division, Serie B is worth watching. All right, Vito, I think we found the topic of discussion for your first article this week, and it's Serie B's attack by the coaches. So thanks for giving me that one. Uh, give it to yeah, me I'll do it. Yeah. Wednesday, yeah, that works. Yeah, Perfect. sounds good. Right, Vito, while we're with you, tell people where they can find you on social media and that. Well, 
you can come to my fan page, have a look there on Facebook. Otherwise, my Twitter handle is at Vito C. Doria. And Katarina, where can they get you? You can find me on Facebook as Katarina Mira or on Twitter, Katarina Mira. Nice and simple. Nick is at Nick Said Carol on Twitter, and he also has a Facebook page at Nicholas Carroll Journalist. Um, I'm on Twitter at Conjay Clancy. We are on Twitter at Serie FFC and Facebook at Forza Italian Football. But most importantly, if you like what we do and you like us, you like Vito, you like Kat, we know you don't really like Nick. But you can, if you really like what we do, you can give us as little or as much as you can afford to give us on a monthly basis. A dollar or two even makes a big difference. Nick is not happy. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Forza Italian Football. And the frown will be wiped off Nick's face. Nick, do you want to fire back? No, I'll be the bigger man. Come in, take your duties <laughs> for two weeks, and I get treated like this. Unbelievable. All right, all right. You can you can stop crying. So, guys, it's good to be back. Thank you to everyone. Jax, as ever. Stephen, welcome along. Kieran, all of you guys in the comments section. It makes things easier. So, we'll be back same time again next week. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a nice review. But until then, all I've left to say is ciao for now. Ciao. Lo sai per un gol. Io darei la vita, la mia vita, in fondo lo so. Sarà una partita. Infinita El sueño que hoy Un coro que sale A soñar Se ayuda a la noche No mata minuti Per soñar En los Noi saremo qui nero
da questa canzone Forza non mollare mai, amala deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.